voz en ese territorio. That she is a voice in that territory. Pero veo un lugar. And I see this place. Donde hay sillas. Where there are chairs. Y en la entrada. And in the entrance. Veo una palabra. I see a word. Dice la promesa. The word is la promesa, the promise. Y veo una mujer. And I see this woman. Que es rubia. That she's blonde. Y es delgada. She's thin. Se llama Cindy. Her name is Cindy. A su lado. Next to her. Hay un hombre. There's a man. Con pelo canoso. With a white hair. Se llama Henry. His name is Henry. El Señor me dice. Que hay un tiempo de visitación para ese ministerio la promesa. That there is a time of visitations that comes from the Lord to that ministry. Los rodeados. I see them surrounded de muchos niños negritos. by a lot of uh, little children and they are veo, of a black color. And I see this place de Africa. in Africa. Es Ghana. Ghana. Ellos tienen allí un ministerio. They have a ministry there in Ghana. Con estos niños. Yeah. Y Dios me dice and the Lord says que viene un crecimiento an expansion, exponential, an exponential expansion, a growth acelerado. that it's accelerated. The Lord is releasing a lot of resources for that ministry. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord is here. It still gives me chills every time I see that. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, so that's how she prophesies. So, you know, she doesn't know you. She doesn't she didn't read your Facebook before she came because she doesn't speak English or read English. So it's the Spirit of God talking to encourage you. And, um, you know, when we got that, that was um, April of 2022 when we when we saw that. And, of course, if you remember the story, my dad threw the phone across the room when he saw the video because he was like, what is that? How did she know that? You know, um, and uh, it, it's encouraging because when God gives you a word like that, um, it's something to hold on to, right? And the prophetic words that God gives you will be encouraging. There'll be something to hold on. Sometimes it's he gives you a word because there's trouble up ahead and you're going to need to hold on to that, that word because you are not prepared for what's coming. You're going to doubt, does God even know me? Has he forgotten about me? Okay, and then you're going to have a word to hold on to. Um, but her preaching is phenomenal. She preaches fire. I mean, everybody remembers the sermons. That she talked about the filling the cracks in the morning and the camels are coming at night. We all still talk about it. I have a camel in my car. Like somebody gave me a little teddy bear camel. Thank you, Judy. Um, because it was so powerful, the presence of God, I, by that nighttime, I couldn't stand. I was trembling. My entire body trembled like I've never been touched by the presence of God. That's during her preaching. Okay, she carries a special anointing. You don't want to miss it. We will have every seat taken. We're not kidding. I told you we'd be full on Christmas. We were full on Christmas. Speaking about Christmas, how amazing was the Christmas service? Right? Thank you to everybody who made such a special, uh, made that day so special to us. Uh, it was just, it was, it was so special and phenomenal, and I'm so grateful. And thank you for all your gifts that you gave us, pastors. Honestly, we were so touched and so blown away, especially my husband when he got one too. He was like, what's happening? <laughs> so thank you. We appreciate it. Um, but you know, with Prophet Esther, it was, um, you know, looking back now, um, Shortly after we got the word, it was a couple of weeks later, my dad and I were talking, and he said, did you notice who she said first in that, prof in that word? And I said, what are you talking about? He said, she mentioned your name first. 
And he said, I keep trying to tell you, God sees you as the leader. And he, because three weeks before we got that word, he said, somebody asked him if he would ever move out of San Diego. And he goes, no, I'm here to support Cindy. And I went, what? I was like, no, I'm here to support you. He goes, no, I'm here to support you. And when we got that word, he said, God is very intentional on the order, he says. And he said, your name first. And he said, God sees you as the leader, you know? And uh, it's so, obviously, for those that don't know, my dad passed away in July. Um, And so it's just things, he had such wisdom and things he said. And at the time, you know, it's hard to hear things, but it's like God reinforcing, telling you in different ways, right? So it's very, very special. She is an incredible person. So please move heaven and earth to, to be here for that. And then that Sunday night, we will have the doors locked at 6.30. There'll be no holding seats from the morning to the night, unfortunately. But we will have the doors closed until 6.30 when they open at that time. We do have a lot of reserved seating because she's coming with her husband, her two grown sons, um, her, her interpreter, the translator, and her husband and two guests. So we have a lot of reserved seats, unfortunately, by me. Don't move those. Okay. Not smart. <laughs> um, your word will be reversed. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I wanted to also give you some good news. I wanted to give you some good news uh, before I uh, jump into the message this morning. And I just finished. Um, I just finished doing the the financials for the board meeting, and um, I just want to tell you from this congregation. You know, we we from the tithes and offerings we support other charities, other ministries. We see you, San Diego, Ghana, the, in Africa, uh, the school in Africa. We support Sister Padma in India and many other benevolent causes that you know of. And from um, this church last year, we gave $78,000 away. So thank you, Promise Church, for being so incredibly generous. I love you. And we were also able to, I wanted to, you know, our church, we have, in a smaller church, you have more people that serve than in a bigger church, percentage-wise, if you understand. And we have more than 60, 65, maybe 70% of our church that serves in a capacity in the church. And you might not think there's a lot to do, but there's a lot of moving parts that goes into this church. And I just wanted to bless everybody this Christmas as a, just a little thank you. And so we gave everybody $100 in a Christmas card that serves, um, which was a little bit of a surprise to me when it totaled over $7,000. <laughs> but... <laughs> I was like, God, this is your church. You provide, not me. I'm not, the, I'm not the one, so I don't take the pressure. But that was part of your giving. So thank you, and thank you to everybody who serves. Can we just give them a nice round of applause? I really appreciate you all. I love you. Couldn't do this without you. All right. Okay, so let's get started. So how many of you, that's the new year, how many of you have made some New Year's resolutions, some goals, anything you want to start, anything you want to stop? You've written down some goals. You've written some things down. Let me see your hands. Okay, yes, or if you're thinking about it, even if you haven't written it down, right? Yeah, and, and how's that going for you? Good, okay, so you're doing it. You're pressing through. Good, because we're only like six days in, so that's, that's, that's impressive. I'm going to pat yourself on the back. But, you know, I read this, this study that said that, by, that most people have already quit their New Year's resolutions by the second Friday in January, Second Friday in January, which means you've only got about five more days until you quit, considering this, uh, this um, uh, study that I read, which is kind of crazy. And they, they interviewed like 40 million people. 
So it wasn't a small study. It wasn't like, you know, they said the majority have quit by the second Friday. And I thought, well, man, that's pretty rough because we all start out with good intentions, right? We know there's things that we need to change in our life. Uh, maybe there's something that you, you want to start doing. You know, you want to you take care of your health. You want to lose weight this year. Maybe you want to get out of debt. Or, or maybe there's some things you want to s stop doing. You know, maybe there's an addiction or uh, something that you do or say that you want to stop saying or stop doing. And, and all of these things are good. If, you know, a lot of times people are like, I want to start praying with my spouse. Or I want to start reading my Bible daily. And all of these changes that you're thinking about making are important. And they're good that you're doing it. Because if you actually are thinking that your life is okay like it is and that you don't actually need anything different you don't need to change anything you don't need to improve anything i'm sorry to tell you but you're probably not growing because if you're not growing you're actually moving backwards staying the same means stagnation and that applies for every part of your body. Do you know that your brain, they said, requires for it to stay healthy so that you don't get Alzheimer's and dementia as you get older. They say you need to learn a new activity or a new something that you can learn and that you can r do repetitiously every day. So if you want to learn a new language and you're, you're forcing your brain to learn something new and you're doing little things each day, or you want to learn a new sport, you want to learn pickleball or something, all of this helps the brain stay healthy active stay healthy so even your brain needs it we know your body needs it and spiritually the bible says the same thing this is our motto in bible college it says this in second peter 3 verse 18 it says grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ notice it said grow in the grace and knowledge Grace is important. People think, oh, why do you need the grace? Because if you just grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you will become legalistic. You will become a fat head telling everybody what to do without any grace in your life. That's why it says grow in grace because Jesus is grace. And so what happens is the more you know Jesus, the more gracious you become. So even though you know all the things people should be doing and you should be doing, you have a graciousness. You look at people through Jesus' eyes. And you're able to see, man, they're struggling, but I get it. You know, let me come alongside of them. Let me pray. Let me help them. Instead of going, whoa, look at that person. What did they wear to church this time? You know, like you look at eyes through the eyes of grace. You don't look at yourself as perfection. So God tells us we have to be growing spiritually as well, not staying the same. So we know all these things. We write it down. But then, what happens? Why do so many people quit after just two weeks? And I don't know about you, but I've been there, you know. I've written down some stuff and I wanted to change. And, you know, maybe for you it's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat healthy. I'm going to lose some weight. And you're so good. Monday, you all day, you, you ate well all day. Nine o'clock at night comes. And you're like, what's one brownie going to hurt? I mean, Cheryl made them, and they're going to go stale, and they've got salt on the top, so technically it's not all sweet. You know, I'll just have one. And then that you have to have some Pringles after that because those were a bit too sweet to just eat that. And then, well, maybe I'll have another brownie because I don't want them to go stale. And, you know, and before you know it, now you're going to bed five brownies in and feeling shame. 
Or maybe it's something you want to stop watching on your computer or stop looking at and you do so well and then you trip up and you fall and you look and now you're embarrassed and you feel the shame, you feel the condemnation or you miss, you read your Bible for three days in a row and then the rest of the week you forgot or you got too busy. And honestly, you just start to wonder, I'm so frustrated. I've tried so many times. I'm just tired of trying. And you begin to wonder, is change even even possible? Well, Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, can I have a little more volume on my mic, please? Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, says this in Romans chapter 7 and verse 21. He says, I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. And you guys don't think the Bible is applicable today. <laughs> I mean, I think he just took a page out of our journals, right? Out of your personal diary, like here, word for word. He gets us because he's like, look, I know it. I, we, we want to so badly do the right thing. We start out with good motives. We wrote down our goals. We put together a vision board. You know, we bought the gym membership. We set the alarm clock 15 minutes earlier so we can get up. And then nothing changed. And we're just so frustrated. Paul gets us. But I want to suggest that we don't really change because we try to change in the wrong way. Real change can't just be behavior modification. It has to be spiritual transformation. So real change, if you truly want to experience change in your life, it can't just be stopping or starting outward behaviors things on the outside that you do. It has to start with God doing a work on the inside of you. It has to be a spiritual transformation. Behavior modification doesn't work. We need spiritual transformation. And if you look at that verse, this one we were reading, if you continue what uh, Paul says after he finished his, his self-condemnation trip, he finishes it with this in Romans 7, 7 verse 25. He says... Thank God, we'll put the scripture up. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So even Apostle Paul did things that he didn't like. He was ashamed of or didn't want to do or was dis disappointed with himself. He didn't, but he realized that the only way to truly change is through the power of Jesus Christ. And what happens, let's go back to the beginning. When people give their life to Jesus and to start, decide to fo start following Jesus, the Holy Spirit does a work in your spirit and he makes you a new creation that's never existed before. When that happens, some people have a very radical transformation. You see people come off the streets, come off drugs, come off alcohol, radically changed, and you know that's the power of God. People that used to be angry, people that used to be depressed or, or curse a lot, suddenly their lives are drastically changed, right? And we look and we go, oh, that's God. You can see it. But something happens that after that, for some reason, y'all take your life back in your own hands. You're like, thanks for the salvation. I'm good. Okay, how am I going to do all this changing I got to do? 
No. Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, dwells in you. He didn't then leave once he just did your creation. He is in you to power you to change, to become the very image of Jesus. That is why he's inside of you. And you can't do it without him. You have to do it with him. You're like, okay, preacher lady, what does that look like on Monday? It's good for Sunday. But what does that look like on Sunday when I want to eat pizza for breakfast? Or when I want to spend all my money on Amazon before noon? Or when I want to take my boss hostage? All for the glory of God. How do I implement this? Okay. You have to start with your why and your how. So, your why is why you want to change something. I am tired of wearing my fat jeans, okay? I want to be in the bathing suit for summer. I'm tired of the fat jeans. That's my why. My how is I plan to play pickleball three times a week to lose the weight, all right? I want to get out of debt. I'm tired of stressing about my bills every month, so that's my why. My how is I'm not going to do Starbucks anymore to help save. I'm only going to eat out once a week to help save, so that's your how. I want to read my Bible more. That's my why. My how I'm going to do that is I'm going to get one of those devotional plans on the Bible app that helps me read so I can make sure I'm reading every day. So that's your why and your how. And this is usually where everybody stops and why everybody fails. Because what you need, remember we said, in order for you to truly change, you need to be Christ-empowered to change. So in order to make something spiritual, you have to make it spiritual. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? What do I mean? You have to put a spiritual reason behind your why and your how. So your why, your spiritual why, is God's purpose for you. Your spiritual how is God's power through you. So what does that look like? I want to get in better shape. I want to get back into my skinny jeans so I can, you know, go to the beach. Stop. Spiritual why. Your spiritual why is God has called me and placed me here in this time with a purpose and a plan. I have children that he's blessed me with that I want to see them grow up, raise. I want to be able to play sports with them. I want to be, go to the park with them. I want to be healthy and fit, so I'm going to take care of myself. I've got businesses to run, therefore I can't afford my mind to be foggy because of all the junk food I'm eating. So I'm going to change it because God has purposed me and planned me and I want to live out my full life, not sick in bed, but healthy and achieving everything he's got for me. So the getting in shape, my spiritual why is because God's got a plan and a purpose for my life. So when I don't want to get on that treadmill or I don't want to go to work out, I say, it's not about me. 
It's about the purpose that God's got for me. It's about raising my kids. It's about spending time with my family. It's about being having a clear mind for work because the more my brain works out, the better I'll be able to think, the more I'll be able to achieve. That's my spiritual why. And I'm able to do it because Christ in me says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And food is fuel for me. Maybe your, maybe your goal is financial freedom. And you're like, well, I just don't want to have to think about my bills every month. I just want some money in the bank. Mm. What is your spiritual why? Your spiritual why says that God asks you to help support his kingdom. He's got lost and hurt and broken people everywhere. He's got charities everywhere that he needs you to help and support. What happens is most Christians are being a burden in God's kingdom instead of a blessing. You don't want to be the person that says, I need help again this month. It's okay if you do. We, we, it happens, okay? We all go through times. Hear me, okay? But that's not your goal. Your goal is to say, I want to be a blessing. I don't want to be a burden on God's, finance, on God's kingdom. I want to be the blessing. So I need to get myself out of debt. I need to have savings. So when Jesus says to me on Sunday morning, go up and give that person $100, they need it. I don't go, what? Jesus, I need it. What do you mean, $100? And then you walk up with squeezing it like this. God said, I need to give you. Do you have change? No. Um, no. So when I don't go to Starbucks, I think, hmm, that's more money I'm going to give away one day. I don't need to eat that out right now because my bank account's being saved. I'm tithing. I'm giving. I'm doing the right things because God has called me to be a financial channel and a blessing for his kingdom. And that is my why. Maybe you're, maybe you're like, I just need to get more organized. I just need to be more disciplined and more organized because my life is chaotic. Okay? So your spiritual why is God is, an, a, God, an order, uh, God is a God of order not of chaos. It actually says that in the Bible, if you didn't know that. He is a God of order. If you look at the universe, the solar system, everything about this earth is beautifully ordered. So God expects the same from you. And so you can do it. And you might say, Cindy, I'm not naturally a disciplined person. Guess what? None of us are. I would like to lay in bed all day and eat pizza three times a day and not pick up my dishes. Don't look at me like you're holier than thou. And if you're not that person, you can leave now. The majority of us are not naturally this perfect disciplined person. The reason why is we have a carnal nature. We live in a fallen world, right? That, God, that Jesus says we have to put off and put down that carnal nature. So he is telling us, no, you have to put it down. You don't get to stay in bed all day. You don't get to eat pizza. Everybody's like, but I like pizza. Who cares? I like bread. I don't get to eat that. You know, it's like you make choices because you have to do what's right for where you want to go. So that is your spiritual why is God is not a God of order. God is, I, I can be disciplined. I can be this person. So you wake up in the morning, you tell yourself, I am disciplined. I am such an organized person. You know what? Because the more organized I am, the more time I'll have with my family, the more at peace I'll be because I'll know where everything is. I'll have everything on time schedule. It'll be great. Maybe you need to stop doing something this year. Maybe your why is, um, I need to stop. I have an addiction. Maybe it's 
Maybe it's smoking. Maybe it's looking at porn on the internet. Maybe it's doing something that you shouldn't be doing or I want to stop cursing or whatever it might be. You want to stop doing something. Your spiritual why, you find your spiritual why. Your spiritual why, as the scripture says, I am not a slave to sin. I am no longer a slave to anything. So therefore, I have Christ in me, Christ empowering me. Therefore, I am not subject to that lustful desire or that addiction. No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I am stronger than the evil desire in me. Because Christ is stronger than the wrong desire in me. So when you want to pick up that cigarette, when you want to say something or look at something that you're not supposed to, you're able to say, no, that's my carnal desire. That's my carnal nature, but I am no longer a slave. I do not need anything. Don't, oh, no. I am the master of this domain. I am the king of this house. And Jesus Almighty, the same spirit that reached into hell and pulled Jesus out of hell, lives in you. So when you want to do something, you're like, oh, no, it might not be me, but the Spirit of God can definitely help me not do this thing. That is your spiritual why, and that's how you do it. Because <coughs> God has purposed and planned us for everything. There's not one person that is, is without a purpose here. But the, the issue comes is that somehow we know that there's things that we need to change or need to grow or need to do, but sometimes we just don't know how to do it. I encourage you to do the research. A, a lot of people don't always know that food is fuel. And so certain foods that you put in your body hurt your body instead of help your body. For instance, if you feel tired after you eat, that means you ate the wrong stuff because food is supposed to fuel you. So if you feel tired, your body is working overtime to digest the food. <clears throat> I'll give you a quick little example. There's foods that, a lot of foods they serve, for instance, like white flour, has been stripped of the original nutrients that it needed. When God made, for instance, an apple or a piece of grain, he put the nutrients that you need, the, the, the um, like vitamins, everything you need to digest it actually in it, if you eat it, in its raw form or healthy form. But so let's say you eat a pizza, the, the flour or a piece of bread even, the flour in it, the, you're, it's been stripped of what you need to break it down. So your body, for instance, needs calcium as one of the things to break that food down. But there's no calcium any longer in the bread. So you know what your body does? It can't just sit there. It goes looking for the calcium. Where does it find it? In your bones. So it now strips the calcium from your bones to digest the pizza or the bread. Do you see the danger? Because you're supposed to eat to replenish your bones and strengthen your bones instead of stripping them. You see, if you do this long enough, you see the damage it causes in people. That's why usually by the time people get a diagnosis, their bodies are so stripped and so inflamed, it's very difficult to come back from. I, I had a friend one time who used to say, I used to tell him, you need to drink more water. You've always got these headaches. <clears throat> he said, no, I get plenty of water in my coffee. <laughs> Do not raise your hand right now. <laughs> She's all like. <laughs> he had headaches all the time because you're dehydrating your body. These things you need to know. Maybe you want to get out of debt. We'll take a financial seminar. 
to help you do these things. Uh, you know, if you want a better marriage, read books on marriage, listen to podcasts, go to counseling. You know, there's so many divorces in marriage because people walk into it thinking, yeah, I can figure this out. Yeah, I mean, how hard could it be? The only example you have of a marriage is your parents. And even if they're still together, they might hate each other secretly. <laughs> and then you go and mimic that in your marriage and you wonder why you're struggling. Read a book. Listen to a podcast. If not, go to counseling. Realize that God has entrusted us with things, but he expects us to do our part. He expects you to take care of the temple. He expects you to expand your mind, learn things, grow so that you can do everything he's called you to be. If you don't take care of yourself and you end up in heaven early, he's going to be like, what are you doing here? Oh, I didn't. He's like, oh, okay, whatever. Let's get on with it. No, you don't want to. You want to live out everything that God's got planned for you. But you know, unfortunately, this will help a lot of people. If you understand your spiritual why, this will transform a lot of your life, achieving your goals and your habits and everything else. But you know, there's, there'll still be people that even with this spiritual why, and how behind it, they still won't change. And I thought to myself, why is that? Why is it that people do what they do? Have you ever thought that? Like you're in a restaurant and you see something happening and you're like, what on earth are they doing? How are they doing that in public? Whatever it might be, right? You're like, how do you do that? Or you see people arguing, like having a massive fight right there on the sidewalk. You're like, What's happening? Like, why do people do that? Or how does a person do that job? Or, you know, and you have these thoughts like, why do people do what they do? And I've come to realize that the, the truth that you need to embrace if you truly want to change in life, and Pastor Craig Groeschel said this in his book. He said, you do, you do what you do because of what you think of you. You do what you do because of what you think of you. And I was like, isn't that the truth? That one like hit me so hard. I was like, that is so true. Now he starts saying, listen, listen, don't confuse it why, why people think they do what they do. Because if you had asked people, why do you do what you do? Some, uh, there's different reasons. Probably the number one thing is people will say, I feel obligated to. Uh, it's work, it's my boss, it's my job, or it's my family. I have this sense of obligation to do why I'm doing what I do. Or the opposite of that is maybe it's, it makes me happy. I'm doing what I do because it makes me happy. Those are minor reasons. At the core though, at the core, you do what you do because of what you think of you. And that's where I got my title from for this, for this message. And my, my title is, You Do You, Boo. <laughs> and if you're familiar with our culture, this is a big thing right now. You do you, girl. Come on. Like, you do you. you. What are they saying? They say, you do you. Do what makes you happy, right? Do the truth. Do your true you. Do your truth. You do you. In actual fact, they're not that far off. Because you already do you. You already do what you think about yourself. Your life is actually being lived out and dictated by what you think of yourself. 
the world you're living in, your relationships, your jobs, the position, your wealth, your health, everything is already, what you're living in right now is already because of what you've been thinking about for a while. Let me explain. Look at Proverbs 23, verse 7. Proverbs 23, verse 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We love this, right? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Say that. Yes. But what, what's weird is who thinks in their heart? Don't you think in your head? What? Don't you read scripture sometimes and go, wait, what? As he thinks in his heart? Wait, I thought we think in our head. What do you do in your heart? This is the answer portion of the, the sermon. What do you do in your heart? You think in your head and you believe in your heart. You believe in your heart. So what he's saying is, what you believe in your heart, so are you. What you believe about yourself, so are you. Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon, other than Jesus, he wrote that Proverbs. He is the one who said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What he is telling us is we choose the story we believe. We choose the story we believe. You probably, you, I'm going to give you an example here, and you've probably experienced this in your life, or maybe even know people like this. You can have two people that both have the exact same experience. They have the exact same disappointments, the same setbacks, the same tragedies. One of them will say, I am a victim. Bad things always happen to me. The other person will choose to say, I don't care how many times I get knocked down. I'm going to get back up because I'm an overcomer. Two people with the exact same situation, except their lives and identities will play out very differently. They make movies about this kind of stuff. And you might even know it because you might have a brother or sister that grew up in the same household as you and are completely opposite. Don't say amen. They might be sitting near you. <laughs> My point is, it's how they looked at the same situation. The lens that they saw the situation through is how they believed it. The same thing. One said, bad things always happen to me. I can never get a break. The other one said, I don't care how many times you get knocked down, I'm getting back up. You can actually look at a person's life when I sit with people in council, I can actually look at a person's life and realize what they've been thinking about, what they've been pondering about. Because when you think about something long enough, it drops into your heart and becomes a belief, and then you live it out. And the enemy knows this, and he plays on it, because his primary target is your identity because God says you're his child he's got a he's got a purpose and a plan for you but if the enemy can mess with your identity he's got you 
He doesn't need to do anything else. He's got you. Because you're never going to live up to everything God's called you to be. Because you don't believe it in your heart. So when your kids act up and you start yelling at your kids and you think to yourself, I'm a bad parent. Or when you don't get the job and you think to yourself, see, I never get a break. I'm not as good as everybody else. I'm never going to get that break. Or when you miss your Bible reading or you're praying and so you think to yourself, I am a terrible Christian. I must be so far away from God. Now what the enemy does is he jumps on that thinking. That first thought, hey, you need to put it out your mind. But no, the enemy jumps onto that thinking and he starts to tell you, yes, you're never going to get ahead in life. Jobs always fall through for you. You are destined to make all the same mistakes your parents made because you can't be, do any better. You're never going to be a success. You can't get rid of that anxiety because you always are going to be a warrior because your life never works out. You have to be the one who worries because tomorrow is not promised and you just lost your job again. So he jumps on these things and he says to you, guess what? You can't change. So don't try. But I've got good news for you. You are not who Satan says you are. You are who God says you are. And God doesn't come with accusations. He comes with affirmations. Because God Almighty is the one who made you. He designed you. He formed you. He created you. And guess what? He's with you in the dark places in your room when you don't want anybody to see what you're doing. He's with you when you're disappointed. He's with you when you made a mistake again. He's with you in the valley. He's with you when you wish you wouldn't have said what you said. Guess what? He knows you at your worst. And he loves you best. He loves you best. And his last will and testament, a.k.a. the Bible, he says that you are loved, that you are forgiven, that you are chosen, that you are precious in his sight. He calls you a friend of Jesus. He says that you are sought after, that you are chosen for this moment, that you are an ambassador of the Most High God. He says that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He calls you his masterpiece. And he says, you are loved. That's what God says about you. And nothing you have done is outside of God's ability and power to restore, to redeem, or to renew. Nothing you have done is outside of his power to restore you, to redeem you, or to renew you. True and lasting change doesn't come from do it yourself, try my best, do everything I can, behavior modification. It's not going to work. You can only change by God-empowered spiritual transformation. You will only truly change when you realize and begin to embrace your God-given identity. When you embrace it, when you realize it, when you accept it, when you stop putting yourself down and start saying, I am a child of the Most High God. 
He calls you kings and queens. He says you have the ability to stop, start, or do anything. You have the ability to be all he's called you to be. There is nothing that can stand in the way because he is in you, empowering you. You are his chosen person. And he is destined for you to have a long life, regardless of what the doctors say, regardless of what your, your family carried. That is not your lot in life. The issue comes is that people don't truly embrace it. You see this when people give their lives to the Lord. Some people might come to the altar, have a whole crying session, say, I want to follow Jesus. And a month later, they, they, you don't see them anymore. Did they really get saved? Well, God alone only knows that. But I would say this, that they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. God always does his part. But he says you have to do your part. Your part is you have to believe that when you pray, he hears you. Your part is you have to believe that only the Holy Spirit can transform a work in your spirit and put his very power in you. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Only the Holy Spirit is the one who, even though you said, I don't even know, I didn't get a degree, how am I going to possibly write a book one day? Because the Spirit of God is in you, enabling you. He doesn't need a degree. He is, he's fine. He can write it without one. You look at a lot of well-known authors today who's got number one best-selling books, and they never, a lot of them said, I never even, I failed English. It's true, because when the Spirit of God moves through you, that's not what it's about. I want to close with this scripture. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. <clears throat> I'm going to read from the ERV version. It says this. My son, pay attention to what I say. He says, listen here. Focus, people. This is what he's saying. Listen to what I'm about to say. Listen closely to my words. Again, this is Solomon speaking. Don't let them out of your sight. How do you not let them out of your sight? For some of you, you're going to need to write it on your mirror. I am beautiful. I am healthy. I am strong. I am called. I'm chosen by God. I have a good future. He has plans for me. Some of you need to write it on your mirror. So that's the first thing you see in the morning. So that's what gets you up in the morning. When I open my eyes in the morning and the flood of everything that I have to do starts rushing to my mind and I start to think, even though I've slept eight hours, I'm tired. Anybody else? I immediately have to take hold of that thought. I don't allow that to stay in my head. It's okay that it comes. You can't stop them from coming. You can't stop them from staying. So I immediately say, no, no, no. Today is going to be a good day. God has got the, the spirit of Christ is in me. He is giving me strength. He's giving me power. He's giving me might and a sound mind. And I'm going to accomplish everything he's got for me today. And something good is going to happen to me today. And that's how then I get out of my bed. Until I can get control over that thought, I don't get out. Because otherwise I'm getting out in a bad mood. And my husband doesn't like that very much. So he says, don't let them out of your sight. Never stop thinking about them. Put it on your phone as your screensaver. Every time you open up your screen, there's something positive. There's a scripture that the Lord is speaking over your life. And everything I'm saying, by the way, if you don't read your Bible, it's all in there. I'm not randomly, people are like, oh, they're a church that believes in affirmations. No, I believe in the Bible. I'm literally quoting things from the Bible. When people say, oh, you do affirmations? 
Lord, help me read your Bible. I can't stop because people don't know the scriptures, so they think I'm just pulling happy things from that I want about the universe into my life. No! Mm. The one who made the universe said it first! I'm literally quoting scripture, okay? So, read your Bible, see a scripture, find something positive, write it down so you can see it. Whatever your struggle is, I can't tell you. Maybe your struggle is you deal with anxiety. So you find the scripture in Philippians that says uh, I, that the peace of God is my portion. That I present my request to God and the peace of God will guard my heart and my mind. So every time I open my phone, I see the peace of God is guarding my heart and mind. You see it long enough, your brain begins to believe it, it drops into your heart, it becomes a belief and you begin to live it out. That's the process, that's the process. And he says this, he finishes by saying, he says, don't let them out of your sight, never stop thinking about them because these words are the secret of life and health to all who discover it. Above all, be careful what you think because your thoughts control your life. One scripture out of the Bible, if you see it, think it, believe it, will change your entire life. That one scripture has the power to change your entire life. Do you want your life to look different at the end of 2024 than it does now? Then get your why, get your how, and put your spiritual why behind it. Put your spiritual how by the power of God through it and put it in front of your eyes and stop believing the nonsense thoughts that are coming and start believing who God says about you because this is the time and the hour we need you to rise up and be who God's called you to be. Amen? Come on, stand with me right now. Stand with me this morning. And we're going to continue uh, talking about this topic a little bit different ways, habits and different things. Obviously, next week it's Prophet Esther, and then I'll, I'll be back up the next week to encourage you because it's such an important topic. You know, and so many times I tell people, um, or at least my husband knows this, I say I'm preaching for myself. Because sometimes uh, people say to me, oh, that was, that was just for me, or how did you know, or you were talking right to me. And I was like, actually, I was talking right to myself. <laughs> And that's okay. If you felt like that was targeted word for you, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Spirit of God. But when I say I'm talking to myself, it's meaning I, I've been through a lot in the last year. And I can get to, I was in that place of going, feeling very negative every morning. I woke up and I was like, I know better. I got to make a change. I know better. So I'm preaching because I'm preaching for me too. Because we got it. We're in this together. It's a journey. We're not perfect. We have to be reminded though, ah. Oh, Yes, we got, this is the way we got to do it. And Pastor Lindsay's sermon last week was so powerful. That's it. Standing on the word. These tie in together. These tie in together. Your life can look radically different if you will believe it. But it starts with your belief in who God says about you. Do you believe that you're a child of God? Close your eyes for me for a moment. I'm not going to call you out front. I just want you to raise your hand because I want to pray a prayer over you right now. More of a breaking than a prayer. But there's people that have believed lies. And as I was speaking today, the word is what breaks. The anointing is what breaks the yoke. The word that was being heard is what was destroying and breaking down those lies that you've believed about yourself. But those lies some of you have held on to for so long, they've become part of your personality and you say, that's just the way I am. I'm just 
uh, a depressed person. I'm just an anxious person. I'm just a weak person. I'm just this. And you've accepted it as part of your personality. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to break that off you right now by the power of God. Because the demon spirits that come attach itself to that and make it more difficult for you to walk it out. And so what I need you to do is if that's you, I'm just going to ask you, wherever you are, raise your hands. We're going to pray. As you raise your hands, I want you to say in your heart, I repent, God. I repent for that lie. I repent for holding on to that lie that I'm not enough, that I'm not good enough, that I can't do it. Whatever the lie is, you know what it is. I want you to repent before the Lord because you have to repent first and then he'll come. So just repent right now. Just in your heart, just say it. God, forgive me. Forgive me for believing those lies about myself. Forgive me for thinking less of myself. Forgive me for believing what people have said about me over and over and again and taking it as, as ownership. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. I take authority right now by the power of the head of the church, Jesus Christ, and by his blood, and through his name, and right now in the name of Jesus, I break off every demonic stronghold that has tried to hold on to people, that has come attached to that lie, whether it came through trauma, whether it came through abuse, whether it came through emotional abuse, in the name of Jesus, I break it off you right now. I break that demonic spirit off you and I tell you to leave demon spirit and never come back. Never come back. You're never welcome. Return. You will never return in Jesus' name. Right now in Jesus' name, I speak freedom to you. I speak freedom in the name of Jesus. I speak the peace of God your portion. I speak the empowerment of the Spirit is your portion. You will never again hold on to that lie. You will not believe it. When the thought comes, the Holy Spirit will remind you, that is not of me. That is not of me. Reject it in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for a newness amongst your people today. A strength, Father. A raising up of this generation, Lord, that's going to run like never before. Father, they are taking off the old, leaving it behind them, stepping out of that old self right now in Jesus name and taking on the fullness of Jesus receiving everything that God's got for you step into it see yourself take a visual step in front of you and step into what God's got for you step into it make it an act if a spiritual act that as you step forward you're stepping into everything God's got for you right now right now I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for Holy Spirit, for your power. I thank you for your peace. I thank you, Lord, for empowering them, God. Lord, and I thank you for miracles, Lord. We're going to see and hear testimony after testimony after testimony of goals being achieved, of things changing in people's lives, of freedom coming. Oh, God, I'm so excited for this year, Lord. I'm so excited for what you're about to do. Come on, let's put some praise on our lips. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, right? It's going to be good. It's going to be the best year you've ever had. And it's going to be the best Monday you've ever had. Amen? Amen. We love you guys. Jesus loves you more. We'll see you early Sunday next week.